Welcome to the HCC Podcast. Our mission is to nurture love for God, love for self, and love for others as the highest goal of humanity. May the following message nurture that love in your life. And remember, you're always welcome at HCC. It's a perfect church for less than perfect people. Peace. Let's prepare uh, to hear God's word this morning. I've told you often that Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, tells us that the Word of God is living and active. And that that expression of living and active is actually related to electrical power, steam power, uh, water power, hydro power, that kind of... It's related to anything that generates legitimate, real, useful power. It is not just a power trip that somebody's on fancifully. The Word of God is actually power for living. It is fuel for living in the same way that your car can't run without gas, you can't run without filling yourself with the Word of God. The Word of God is not only powerful, but it is living. When the Scripture speaks of itself, it speaks of itself as the very breath of God, animated. The Word of God, the intention of God is animated through His Word. And the Word, as we understand it, written is the Bible that you know from Genesis to Revelation. It is that living Word. So if you want to think of it in this way, you can think of actually being able to put your hand on the Bible, whether it's your phone, tablet, or paper edition, and put it on, and you could, if you could sense the Spirit correctly, you could actually feel the very heartbeat of God. It's the very pulse of God. And this is why I'm talking about, I'm saying let's prepare ourselves to experience the Word of God so that we posture our souls to engage this powerful, living, active agent of God. So the more we are filling ourselves with the Word of God, as is our annual exercise, soul exercise, scripture memory, as we're doing that more and more, we are truly taking in the power to do everything that we're preaching and teaching and talking about here at Heritage. When I say contentment is real, it's only real if we can tap into the power source, which is Christ and by extension, His Word. So, as is our custom, would you stand with me today? We're going to confess this together and I'd like you to open your hands in front of you and say I I want to touch this power I want this power Lord give me this power I want to experience your power and we do that by choosing we do it by choosing to do these things by opening ourselves to the word of God so for all of you that are interested in that today I want to encourage you to confess this very thing God I choose to slow my breath and relinquish my worries. I open my hands to pray. Come, Holy Spirit, to my mind. I receive your comfort. Come, Holy Spirit, to my heart. I receive your peace. Come, Holy Spirit, to my soul. I receive the Father's love for me. I am here to receive what you have for me today. Now listen, before you're seated, the Lord who loves you says these words. 
the Lord who loves you says these words to you. I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you. I will carry you. I will sustain you. And I will rescue you. This is the living and active word of the Lord. God bless you. You can be seated. The reason we are doing this consistently is because we are attempting to massage deeply into ourselves this sense of who the Lord truly is and how that the Lord is active and powerful in our life, not just a religious figure. When we talk about the secret of contentment, when we talk about this engagement of God, I've often have, have had people come to me and say, wow, you're pretty serious about this faith stuff. Because to them, it has been something they were kind of born into, and it was a, a, a family culture of going to church, but it's never quite gotten beyond that, the perfunctory nature of showing up at a particular geographical location, running through some religious hoops, if you will, jumping through some religious hoops in order to somehow please this God that's out there somewhere that one day they may stand before and hope that that God accepts them and lets them into whatever heaven might possibly be. And I'm telling you, nothing could be further from the gospel truth of the word of God. This God we speak of here, this God we talk about here, in, in, that came in physical form in the form of Jesus Christ, this God, this person is right here, right now, active and living and available to enter into a relationship with you right here, right now. That's the kind of God we believe in. That's the God we believe in that's active. And that's why when we say, let's commit this to memory, we're actually looking to bring into ourselves the very living and active word of God. It's like plugging into an outlet and being charged in the spirit. So let's say this together, our annual memory verse. For I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through Christ who gives me strength. You know, this, 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 these words right here are actually how Christ gives strength you strength so without putting them into memory without committing them to memory we're saying we're holding the plug and we're looking at the outlet but we're not plugging in and we're hoping to run the vacuum I don't know about you but try vacuuming your home without plugging it in I don't know how I don't think you're really going to get very far with that or have it do a very good job so I'm inviting you today this is the outlet Plugging in is memorizing this kind of scripture. Right now, my routine is that while I exercise, I'm memorizing. That's, my, that's what I do. I don't know what you do, but I'm inviting you to consider how do, you, how do you get yourself in a routine of memorizing scripture? Because if that's the case, we'll never really have the power to live the secret. So, what's the secret? Yes. So, live the 
secret. Or I think this says, vivel secreto. We are in this soul family. Uh, we are bilingual. We, in our soul family, part of us speaks Spanish and another part of us speaks English. And right now, in our ministry center, there's 150 to 200 people in person and online that are Spanish-speaking folks from all over Latin America. And so we are grateful that we have a part of our family that is diverse like that. And so uh, when I wear this shirt, know that I am simply identifying with our brothers and sisters in Christ on the Hispanic side of our congregation. Let's talk about the secret of contentment. It is an incredible challenge for us to imagine that we can live a life of contentment. Why do I say that? Because in our consumer-oriented world, contentment is the enemy. Think about a marketing agency. When they meet together to market a product or to sell you something, what are they saying? When you walk into one of those Sam's Clubs, Costco's, or whatever, and somebody comes up and says, oh, hey, excuse me, let me just speak to you just for a moment. They're hoping that they can identify some kind of discontentment in your life. Are you, are you satisfied right now with your insurance company? They're, are you satisfied right now with your HVAC system? Do you cool and heat well enough? They are looking to do that. They are looking to tap into some kind of discontent because it's the only way that they can motivate you in order to move towards contentment because they're selling contentment. If you'll get what they have, if you'll buy what they're selling, then in that way, you will feel content. And every marketer knows that the challenge of the culture to contentment is our feelings. That we are feeling-oriented people. We are feeling-oriented people. Uh, you know, listen, you just make sure you do whatever feels good. Exactly. I, I, I'm not feeling it. I'm just, you feel me? You, okay. You know, we've got all these expressions that we use because we are feeling-oriented people. I'm just not feeling like it. I just don't feel like it. I've had plenty of people in marriage counseling with me and say, well, Pastor Steve, you know, I, I don't think we're going to make it because I'm just not feeling it anymore. And so we are feeling-oriented people, and contentment is often associated with a sense of feeling. And if we don't feel it, then somehow, some way, we've got to go somewhere else to get it, or buy something, or fix something, or whatever it might be. The reality is that you own your feelings. You own your feelings. That is a painful statement for many of us. Because I'd like to blame everyone else for my feelings. I, if I'm angry, it's not my fault. That person made me angry. So it's their fault. If I'm irritated or annoyed, it's not my fault. It's their fault. Because they made me annoyed. They annoyed me. They irritated me. But of course, I never blame anyone for my compassion or kindness. That's always mine. I'm compassionate. I'm kind. I'm forgiving. 
we tend to disown all of our negative feelings and we tend to own all of our feelings that are positive. And what I'm telling you is that it's a basic psychological fact that no one can make you think or feel anything. Now, I can make your eye water by poking you in it. And I can, I can make your eye hurt or get red by poking it, of course. But I can't make you hate me because I poked you in the eye. That may seem really odd and strange to you, but that's a basic psychological truth that for a human being, no one can make you feel or think anything. I can say something to you, and, and you may choose to feel angry, offended, hurt, upset, or happy, joyful, proud, but that's you choosing. I don't have any power over you to make you feel or think anything. And so this is really important when it comes to contentment because in our culture we are raised to think that we don't own our feelings. And by virtue of that, we blame everything else by and large on the reality that these things are not ours. So we let the will, which is the horse, and the feelings, which are the cart, work in opposite fashion. How good is a horse behind a cart. It doesn't work really well when the horse is behind the cart. We want the horse in front of the cart, similar to this here. This doesn't work really well for us, and so the problem is, is that when we are in this position emotionally and mentally, we're stuck. We are just stuck. We are hoping to make progress. We are cracking the whip. We are standing up and proclaiming where we're going. But we're not recognizing that the power source of where we're, where we're wanting to go is in the horse, which is the will, and we've got it somewhere down there uh, surrendering to our feelings. When feelings are the cart and the will that's the horse is behind, then we're leading with our feelings rather than our will. And if you remember from our study on the anatomy of the, the soul, we realize biblically that the will is the centerpiece. The heart, the will is at the center. When I say heart, I'm not talking about all your emotional uh, flourishing. You're up and down and all over the place. I'm not talking about those kind of feelings. I'm talking about the center of yourself, which is the will. And the will was created by God to surrender and so if you're saying I want to feel happy so you make me happy and you're talking to your spouse or your kids or whatever that kind of thing then you're basically surrendering your will to someone else to say make me feel this way the will was created to surrender. This illusion of willpower is insane. When we think all we got to do is muster our willpower and we can do anything. No, we were created to surrender our will to the will of God. And so when we surrender to the right will, which is the will of God, not the will of someone else or the will of the world or our own uh, feeling-oriented, you know, where we surrender our will to our feelings and we keep chasing after that, 
then we move in a place where we recognize we can do, when we surrender to the Lord's will, we can do great things that the Lord wants us to do. And that relates to the challenge of contentment, which is Gideon in Judges 6. In Judges 6, Gideon was uh, basically pulled from the field and brought up by the angel of the Lord who said, I want you to muster the army and I want you to get out there and I want you to go take care of these Midianites. These Midianites that actually terrorized the people. They were terrorized, tortured. by the, They were conquered. They were being uh, constantly haunted by the Midianites, constantly invaded, constantly in fear of the Midianites. And these were an overpowering force for the people of God at the time. And you might feel like you've got Midianites in your life. Is it your work that's overpowering you? Is it your anxiety and fear that's overpowering you? Is it your, your intensity, your relationships? Is it somebody else you're thinking about? Is it money that's overpowering you? Is it your health that's overpowering you? You might, feel, you might have Midianites all around you that constantly seem to be torturing you, constantly seem to be invading you, constantly seem to be overcoming you. And the Lord said to Gideon, rise up, take, the, take your army, and go and take care of these Midianites. Vanquish them. Remove them, put them in their place. And Gideon says, I'm a part of the weakest group ever. I'm like the weakest person and the weakest group. We're, we are losers. There is no way we're ever going to be able to do anything like that. And then the angel of the Lord said, Shut up. <laughs> what are you? This, this, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think you can do it. I think the Lord and you can do it. That's what I think. My faith and confidence is in the Lord, not in you, Gideon. You just get up and be used by the Lord like he wants you to, and you will find victory. But before you do that, Gideon, you got to say no to all these other things. you got to say no to all your fear. you got to stop believing the lies, all the impediments we talked about to contentment. This is Gideon having to face all these impediments we've been talking about, his attachments, his fears, his anxieties, his beliefs, believing in lies, he can't do it. And so Gideon does this thing that the angel tells him to do in faith. He just trusts and he steps out, which is what you might need to do with regard to your Midianite work, your Midianite health, your Midianite fear, your Midianite parenting, whatever it is, your marriage, whatever it is, stepping out in faith, believing that God can do this thing that he promises he can do if we'll just trust him. And so what happens is we come to a place where Gideon steps out and he's like, oh my goodness, it worked. Oh my goodness, it's real. All of a sudden I activate my faith. I stop sitting passively. I activate my faith. I trust in this God. And then the victory occurs and I build an altar to the Lord. And there I name it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace, goodness, gracious. How do you get there? How do you get to the place where you're going to be able to build an altar to the Lord that says, He is my peace? That's contentment. Cultivating contentment. We've talked about this. Eugene Peterson mentioned that apprenticeship to Jesus, which is our goal. It's you know, discipleship, apprenticeship. It's our learning to become more and more like Christ. Apprenticeship to Jesus is a long obedience in the same direction. That is something we don't want to hear because we're drive-through people. We are Amazon, and when are they going to get the drones online? When, when is Prime going to get their drones working so I don't have to wait a whole 18 hours? I can't wait 18 hours. If I want to order Tasty Cakes, I want them there in 15 minutes. 
That's what I want. And so where is the, where is Amazon? So apprenticeship to Jesus is totally, absolutely the opposite countercultural direction of the way in which we are acculturated. We are consumer people. In a consumer society, the customer's always right, correct? Not in the kingdom of God. And we have a problem. Because we want to take all of our consumerism through the eye of the needle. We want a big wide berth for all of our consumerism so that we can feel and do whatever we want, whenever we want, and feel really, really great, comfortable and convenient. Whenever we don't feel that way, we're angry, we're mad, we want God to fix it right away. And Eugene Peterson is saying that unfortunately, well, maybe fortunately, this is not the way the Lord works. He works in the same direction in cooperation with a long obedience. So, we talked about compounding contentment a few weeks ago, and I want to bring this up again because it's critical. That a long obedience in the same direction works much like compound interest. Many of you are depending on, your retirement is depending on compound interest. You've got to invest and invest and invest and invest over a very long period of time before any real movement starts to happen in those investments. That's why they tell young people to start investing, start now. And young people are saying, now nah, I'm going to let my parents do that, then when they die, I get all their money. If my kids are listening, you're out of luck. You are totally out of luck. So in any event, you, know, you invest over a long period of time, and then this miracle, they actually call it that, a miracle of compound interest takes, and it starts taking off in the up into the right direction. And so this is the idea of compound interest. Very little happens over a long period of time, and then you wake up one day and you realize you're rich. It's exactly the same thing with contentment. You work hard, you work a long obedience in the same direction, and as you do, you are building energy and momentum with regard to Christ's likeness. If you don't invest in these spiritual exercises, these practices we're talking about, this scripture memory we're talking about, this developing a life of prayer, all of this, if you don't do that, over a long period of time, you will never experience the contentment of Christ that is available to you. You will over time feel bits and pieces all along the way and you'll get little symbols and, and signs that it is working and you are building. But the reality is you won't really feel it until a significant amount of time goes by. This is the miracle of compounding contentment over time. And the next thing you know, you'll be in an all-out brawl verbally, relationally, and you'll realize you are not shaken at all. And you'll be surprised. And the person that's fighting with you will be more angry than ever because you're not moved. The person will try to offend you and you won't even know you're being offended. And they'll be very unhappy. That's the burning coals that gets heaped on people's heads when you learn the secret of contentment. The key to contentment, being formed in the character of Christ. When we say Christ is contentment, I mean that. There is no other way to contentment yet through Christ. If you're here today to learn the three quick and easy ways to contentment so that you can go teach a workshop and a seminar and have people pay you for your YouTube video or your TikTok, it ain't working. It's just not a reality. You're not going to be able to watch some TikTok or YouTube contentment. 
Contentment is a person, and that person is Christ. And as you nurture and develop that relationship with Jesus, then you recognize that you're moving to become more Christ-like. And as you become more Christ-like, contentment will naturally rise. The culmination of contentment. Let's talk about a few different scriptures that relate to this. The culmination of contentment is this. Oh dear, oh my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains. And I can relate to Paul because if you've never been in my position or Pastor Bowman's position, you you just don't truly know the burden that I have for you. The burden that I have for you to be able to feel the deep sense of contentment that you can because it's available to you. And I often, as a pastor, feel like I'm somehow delivering a baby. I'm pushing hard to get this message to you and into you and so that you will feel it. I'm trying, perhaps like Mary, to somehow birth Christ into your world, to recognize that contentment is Christ. And the only way to contentment is to be fully formed in Jesus. What is he saying? It's like I'm going through labor pains for you again, and they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. Nobody wants a premature birth. They want to wait till their baby comes to full term, and that's what Paul is saying. I don't want you to prematurely think you're there. This is a long obedience in the same direction, and then all of a sudden you find yourself standing in the stature of Jesus, and this is what he means about being fully developed when Christ is fully developed in your life. Galatians 2.20, which is my life verse, I love this in two versions. This is the NLT version. It reads like this. My old self has been crucified with Christ. That means all the old me is dead. It's gone. I, I, am, I am dead to all of that old stuff. My old attitudes, my old personality, my old disposition, all the things that hinder me from moving forward in Christ, I'm dead to all that stuff. It is no longer I who live, This is an actual statement. This is not a fanciful statement. This is not a theoretical or philosophical statement. This is a statement of fact in the kingdom of God. It is no longer I who live as a Christian, but Christ who lives in me. There is a real person, a real God, Jesus Christ, who now has taken up residence inside of ourselves as we open ourselves to him and become Christians, become followers of Jesus. And as we do, he enters into that place in us that can only fit him. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Listen to the way that the message translation puts it. I love that. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. Isn't that interesting? I I don't care if you think I'm great. If you like me, wonderful. If you don't like me, no problem. I no longer am beholden. My ego is no longer on the line. I'm not worried about your opinion of me. I'm not trying to to have you have a low opinion of me, but if you do, that that is neither here nor there to me. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion, and I am no longer driven to impress God. Oh man, that's great. Christ lives in me. What else is there to do? 
Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am not going back on that. This is the culmination of contentment when we recognize that contentment is Christ and Christ is in me. Now, as I release and remove all the impediments to that relationship, Christ comes out more fully and therefore I decrease, he increase, John 3, 30, and contentment rises. So here we are in the culmination of contentment. The goal of contentment in Christ is that you would finally live the kind of life Jesus would live if Jesus were you. Imagine that you no longer have to ask the question, what would Jesus do? You just automatically default to doing, thinking, and feeling like Jesus would do, think, or feel. And the only way to do that is invest over time in, a, in, a lo- in the same direction with a long obedience and you will become more and more like Christ. And your life will become richer and deeper and stronger and your kids would know a different person than they know right now. If you're carrying with you in your parenting all kinds of anxiety and all kinds of fear and all kinds of intensity and frustration and annoyance and irritability, I want you to know there's another way. There is another way. And it's, it's in Christ. It's, it's being the kind of parent that Jesus would be if Jesus were you. It's being the kind of husband that Jesus would be if Jesus were you. It's being the kind of wife that Jesus would be if Jesus were you. It's being the kind of friend, it's being the kind of employer, it's being the kind of citizen that Jesus would be if Jesus were you. I love this sense right here. That that a culmination of contentment is that you would live as obedient to the character of Jesus as his shadow. To be as obedient as a shadow. How obedient is a shadow? I'm inviting you to get a, get, a, get a wall and put a light in front of you and you and whoever else is in your home try to dance and get away from your shadow. Try to fake your shadow out. You can record it if you want and put it on TikTok if you'd like. Trying to fake out my shadow. See what happens. Your shadow will be obedient. That's what I want to be with Christ. I want to shadow his heart mind, and body, because this is shalom, peace, and contentment. This is the great commandment. Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, meaning all of your your feelings, your will, your, your submitting your will to God and his will, your heart, your mind, your thought, and your body, your actions. Submit all of that to the love of God. This is what it means to to become more and more content in Christ. Jesus said this, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. I love that, real rest. Not a fake rest like we think, like maybe a vacation that we need a vacation from when we're done the vacation. Y'all been there? You know what I'm talking about, right? That whole sense of those things. To get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. 
Not just walk, but work with me. Watch how I do it. Walk, work, and watch. Walk, work, and watch. Those three things are critical in this this promise that he has for us, that learning the unforced rhythms of grace, he won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with him, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. What a joy to be able to live freely and lightly. This is the promise of Jesus for you. So how do we get there? What do we do? What are the next steps towards contentment? I'm going to give you some exceptionally practical ones, and you're going to think, oh, gosh, you know, he's just hawking his own program. Well, there's a reason for that. It's because I love you, and it's because I feel like I'm pregnant with your contentment, and I want you to, I want to, I want to birth it. <laughs> I want to see it come to life. I want to see it rise up in your life. I want to see you experience contentment, and I know there's no other way that I can provide that for you except to invite you into the work. What did he say? Walk with me. Work with me. Watch me. I've got three ways that you can walk, work, and watch, and that is, number one, join a rooted session. You've heard us talk about it before. We talk about it often, joining a rooted session. Rooted is our portal into this first step to truly root yourself in in contentment being Christ, to know Christ, to know his church, his body, to know Christ and his church, the head and the body. This is the program of rooted. I'm begging you. I'm just begging you here at this last part of our contentment series that you, as far as in this culture, in this soul family, there's no way to move forward. This is the best way to move forward into deepening your sense of contentment, your shalom in life. Join a rooted session. When it comes up, just do it. And then next, continue on to EHS. EHS stands for Emotionally Healthy spirituality emotionally healthy spirituality rooted leads us prepares us and opens us to move into a deep scrutiny of ourselves and who we are this is emotionally healthy spirituality you may say i'm already a mature believer that indicates how immature you are i'm already a mature believer i don't need anything else that is the that's the epitome of immaturity because any Smart person knows that they don't know so much and they need to continue learning and growing. This is an opportunity to connect with Rooted in its session and then move on to emotionally healthy spirituality and then ultimately to EHR. EHR is emotionally healthy relationships. The great commandment says, love God, love yourself, and love others. This is the trinity of transformation. You learn to love Christ, the head, and his body, the church. Then you learn to love yourself. You learn to do the first thing with rooted. You learn to love yourself with EHS, emotionally healthy spirituality. And then you learn to love others through emotionally healthy relationships. This is the trinity, this trifecta, this triad of victory moving towards contentment. It is the great commandment. And then ultimately, practice the presence. So these three things are very, very orient, are very, very structured for you. But practicing the presence is up to you. You know how that happens? When you decide to invite the Holy Spirit into everything in your life. Is the Holy Spirit in your eating? 
Think about that at halftime tonight. <laughs> just, just, well, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, there's no guilt or shame there. I'm just saying, do you need six more wings? I don't know. Another bowl of cheese dip. I'm not sure. Just check in on that. You know, so, I mean, has Jesus been invited into your eating? Practice the presence of God in your eating. Practice the presence of God in your drinking. Practice the presence of God in your sexuality, in your finances, uh, in your workplace. When you, don't, when you don't recognize that God, when you don't practice the presence of God in your workplace, your spreadsheets will not be as good as they can be. Your consultation, your advice, your, anal, your analyst work will not be as good as it can be. But when you invite the presence of God in, the fear of any employer goes away, the anxiety of any performance goes away, and you practice the presence of God, shalom and peace in you, and you build an altar of work for God's glory. The Lord is peace. The Lord is shalom at your workplace, in your sexuality, in your checkbook, in your own health and well-being, your physical body. In all of these things, Practice the presence. Nobody can do that except you. Set reminders in your phone. Put sticky notes up on your vanity, in your car, on your mirror, in your cubicle at work, on your computer laptop. When you open it up, the first thing you see is contentment is Christ. You will never move towards this this peace and shalom I'm talking about unless you learn to practice the presence of God so that whether you're doing dishes or at prayer in church, both are filled with the equal presence of God. Now, what does this lead us to? We're wrapping up right here. This is Brennan Manning's statement about the world and how they see us. Regarding Christianity, the greatest single cause of atheism, apathy in the world today is Christians. Greatest cause of atheism and atheism and apathy is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door, and deny him with their lifestyle. This is what an unbelieving world finds simply unbelievable. And the reason I say that is, and the reason I bring this up, is because who's going to believe that Christ means anything? unless they see it in your life. And I'm not talking about just behavior, like, you know, I don't rob banks. Ain't I a great Christian? <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't, uh, I don't, you know, blow up buildings or start fires in people's homes or whatever. You know, I'm, a, I'm not an arsonist, so ain't I a great person? I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. I'm talking about the way you manage anger. I'm talking about your own sense of anxiety and fear, the way you treat your wife, the way you love your friends, the way you work. Not working for people, not working for money, but working for God. The way you treat other races, the way you treat other socioeconomic classes, the way you're dropping and diminishing your, your biases and your preferences that get in the way of loving people very well. I'm talking about when, when the world looks on and says, so seriously, what good is Christ? And they see a church full of people that are anxious and fearful and easily manipulated by 
emotional roller coaster rides. There's no way that they're going to believe this gospel message. It's incoherent. There's no way your children are going to look at you and see the image of God in you if you're living a life of perpetual annoyance and irritation and frustration and overwhelming and you're always, you know, miserable and angry and that's, that's tough. Now listen, don't, don't get me wrong. I've been a parent of three kids and they're alive. So, hey, I did pretty good. I mean, I'm telling you, nobody will push you around, you know, around the edge, around the corner than kids. But I wish I knew this then. I wish I would have known more of this. I wish I would have been more dialed in. Mike, you just had a little baby. Come on. This is for you. This is for her. Your neighbors, your children, your grandchildren, they need to seek contentment. And the only way to seek contentment is to recognize that contentment is Christ. And Christ is in you. And the secret of the contented life is to allow Jesus to live instead of you living. To you truly submit, surrender your will to his will and allow Jesus to live the kind of life that he would live if he were you. This is, this is, this is the out of that opportunity. And so here we are in this moment at the end of this series and I'm challenging you that if you will give yourself to this long obedience in the same direction, there'll be lots of failing along the way, but as you continue to repent and as you continue to reset, then you will recognize that ultimately this secret of contentment is no longer a secret. It is an evident truth in your life that you are working hard to let everyone else know because it's so wonderful for you. There is no better place than to live in the contentment of Christ. There is no safer place. There is no more peaceful place. There is no more joyful, happy place than to live in the contentment of Christ. And I want every one of you to feel it, to own it, to know it, so that you can witness to the world that the secret doesn't have to be a secret anymore. And you know what it is. So what's the secret? Contentment is Christ. Live the secret. Would you stand with me?